What's up, Zach Oates here, author, entrepreneur, and customer relationship guru. Welcome to Give an Ovation, growth strategies for restaurants and retailers, where we find industry leaders to share their secrets to grow your business. This podcast is sponsored by Ovation, the actionable guest feedback tool that works on or off premise and is easy, real time, and actually drives revenue. Learn more at OvationUp.com. Welcome to another edition of Give and Ovation. I am joined today by the COO of Time Forge Labor, a Swiss army knife of talents accumulated over the last 20 years of her career. And she is just a bomb of energy and fun. Welcome to the podcast, Audrey Hogan. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. So first of all, before we jump in, uh, tell me a little bit about Time Forge Labor. So TimeForge is, uh, it's a full workforce management platform. So we're going to handle everything for retail, having to do with employees, full employee lifecycle, applicant tracking, onboarding, all the hiring, all the training, keeping up with all the paperwork, um, way up to cutting checks. What's a little bit different is that it's an ops platform that does HR things, not the other way around. Oh, okay. Um, so it, yeah, so it's really designed for store level adoption and for ops op- enablement. So why would someone use TimeForge? Like what, what are some of the common problems that TimeForge is solving? Well, I mean, there's a lot, right? There's a lot going on with labor as a general rule right now. Yeah. Um, so there's lots of pieces we get pulled in for. But for restaurants, primarily we're getting pulled in to help with visibility. You can't have accountability without visibility, right? Um, around labor budgets, around consistent service levels throughout the day, and just making sure that that labor is optimized. Not usually bring, being brought in to cut labor, though sometimes sometimes that happens. We're usually being brought in to make sure that if you, you know, if you're overstaffed for opening duties, let's take one of those guys and put them at the peaks, peak customer time in the afternoon um, so that you're getting better CSAT throughout the day. Love that. Because, yeah, at the end of the day, this is what we always try to hone in on is that we're talking about all these different pieces from training to, you know, ingredients to the ambiance to the music and everything at the end of the day goes down to the customer. It goes down to the guest. And what is their experience? Is their experience improving or not? And I think that's really the key that all of this is focused on and why I think that at the the end of the day, the last mile between your guest and their experience are your people. And you've got to make sure that they're trained well, that they're happy because happy guests come from happy employees. And there's just a one-to-one correlation there. And so how do you, in your career, as you've gone through lots of different things in in, in the ops world, and, you know, as it, it seems like you've just been able to be given a project and you're the type of person where it's like, Audrey, we don't know anyone who knows how to do this. Uh, can you figure it out? And you're like, yes, I could do that. Right. Is has that been, has that been kind of your, uh, your MO through your career? It seems. Thousand percent master of none right here. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> but, lots so, of, lots of Googling, right. Lots of, I have, uh, I have just enough experience, um, you know, running stores and I used to work for a restaurant chain and help open, uh, new stores month, like month to month. That was my life. And it was very fun. And so I have just enough experience and lots of little things that I like to tinker. Well, that's awesome. Because at the end of the day, 
you need a couple of Swiss army knives in there because you never know what's going to pop up. And so how do you prioritize in, you know, having all these different skills, seeing all these different experiences, how do you prioritize what's most important that needs to get done today? A couple of ways. So, um, the prioritization on a day-to-day basis is going to be really, really easy, no matter if it's something that you're deeply experienced at or a new uh, Swiss Army knife project that you got handed. Um, as long as the organization's goals and priorities are very clear and transparent, it should be easy to tr- to organize what you need to do to support those goals. So we um, we discovered this. We knew this, right? Like that's logical. I think everyone would agree with that. Um, but then actually seeing it in play um, as we implemented EOS was really really cool. So we got EOS. Um, from Traction implemented, we're on year three now. Um, and then just seeing everyone self-prioritize what was on their plate instead of going, hey, Audrey, what's important? What do I need to do? Which one matters more? It's it's obvious, it's transparent, and it's it's implicit almost. So it's been great. And how do you encourage, how do you encourage your team? So EOS, for those who don't know, it's a um, it's an organization system to help leadership teams get connected, set goals have the you know shared vision, have the right metrics, have the right vision of, of what are we doing this year and three years and 10 years? How do we, what we're doing this quarter and this month, how does it apply to that to help us get there? It's a, it's a great system. We've implemented a lot of EOS and Ovation as well. Um, how do you communicate at the end of the day, the, the importance of what they're supposed to do so they can self self lead? Yeah. Our, well, our quarterlies help a lot with that. So the way that we structure our quarterlies is we do a review of the previous 90 days. Um, and then we talk about our goals, right? At our annual EOS, every annual meeting, you're setting your long-term goals, your three-year goal, your one-year goal, and you're breaking out how um, you need to accomplish tasks to get towards those goals. Um, and so having that roadmap in the back of everyone's mind around revenue growth, the things that are necessary for revenue growth, right? We need to grow our sales team. In order to do that, we have to hire some salespeople. Um, It's important that we make sure that the goals and the way we're going to get there is explicit. It becomes implicit later, right? But during the planning stage, it has to be explicit so that when everyone is shuffling their deck and trying to figure out what their priorities are, it's easier on them because there's just a roadmap in the back of everyone's head. And if they come to me sometimes for help prioritizing, um, then I very simply point back to those goals and go, which of the things on your task list helps move us forward? Does anything move the needle? If nothing on your list is moving the needle, it's the wrong list, right? Yes, absolutely. Because I think at the end of the day, you all need to everyone needs to surround themselves with a North star metric. What are we all trying to do together? Where are we trying to go? And then everyone needs to understand their role in getting there, right? Everyone's got their hands on their oar. And if one person isn't rowing in the same direction at the same tempo, it throws the whole system off. And so I think that's, that's really key. And going along with that, what do you think is the most important aspect of guest experience nowadays? Um, I think it's shifted. I, um, so I think the answer is always culture, right? Your business's culture is going to matter more than anything else you do for experience. That's going to be employee retention, employee morale, hundred percent. But I think that it's shifted because of, um, 
the public adoption and visibility of terms like Karen, um, right? I think that there are a Ken, lot of Ken. the guest experience, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think it's shifted. I think that guests are a lot more forgiving right now than they used to be. Um, I think there's still that segment of the guest population that's going to be critical and often justifiably. Um, but I think that especially as the younger generations are coming up with terms like Karen and Ken in the back of their head as things that they don't want to be, I think that I think that we're going to see um, the way that that pivots into guest experience through cultures coming to meet that need slightly differently than previous generations is going to be interesting. And, to watch. and when you say cultures, are you specifically referring to the cultures of like how how we treat our employees and and what they're feeling like. Yeah, yeah, that's that's um, in in my estimation, that's going to be a result of culture. Culture is how we do things around here at its simplest, right? Um, there's lots of fancy explanations around culture, and I think the term is grossly overused right now. And that's coming from someone with a strong HR background, uh-huh. <laughs> but. Um, but I think that uh, how how employees act and how guests get treated and how the company treats the employees are going to be symptoms of the culture of that organization. Okay, awesome. No, I think that that makes a lot of sense in terms of culture and having that be overused. Because at the end of the day, right now, everyone is talking about culture, right? A lot, like everyone's saying, we have a great culture here. Come work with us because we have a culture. Uh, so talk to us around. What do you think are some of the ingredients of a good culture and what are some of the ingredients of a bad culture? Oh, that's, that's deep. Um, (laughs) So a good culture, um, the ingredients are going to be, I think, around positive intent. And that's going to drive, you know, from leadership. Um, There's a lot of argument around how uh, culture can be driven bottom up if you're not being intentional in your culture and how you're laying the foundation. Um, but if you're being intentional and in setting a good culture, leadership's going to have positive intent. It's going to have a clear vision. It's going to have a goal for the business that's outside of just make money. Um, it's going to have uh, pretty transparent rules for itself, leadership will, around how it wants to engage with employees and with guests um, and with other members of the leadership team. Um, I think bad culture um, happens. I don't, I don't know that I'd say that there's a bad culture. I'm sure that there's toxic cultures, right. Um, but I think anything that, um, is not intentional when you're not being intentional about how you're laying the foundation for that culture and how process is playing into how people feel and whether they know how to do their job and whether their communication styles are consistent across the organization, all of that comes from a lack of intention in my opinion. Uh, so just kind of like letting it happen as opposed to being deliberate about it. Yeah. And and I've seen accidental good cultures, but they don't scale and they don't last long because accidental cult, good cultures, um, when there's not intention in, in that foundation, are typically reliant on one central strong leader. And if that person's role shifts or they're no longer with the company, the culture falls apart. So that intention that intention is what's core to a good culture, in my opinion. I love that. And, and going along with that, what do you think are some successful tactics, tactics that you've seen implemented lately? Uh, we've talked about EOS in terms of how do we help foster that good culture and improved operations. 
Um, what are some other tactics that you can share with us? You know what I'm loving right now is the level of partnership. So I just spent a month of my life at trade shows, um, just back to back going to industry um, conferences. Where and, we were hanging. <laughs> that's right. And, um, and it's so fun right now. I think we're at such a pivotal time for retail as a whole, but especially restaurant, food service, bars, um, where the, I mean, the sky's the limit. Um, it started with APIs, right. And everyone starting to integrate together and vendors going, Hey, I don't have to be everything to everyone. I can focus on my breast, my best of breed solution and, uh, and make sure that I am the very best at this one thing. And I can integrate with partners to be even greater than the sum of our parts. And I think it took um, the rapid technology adoption over the last three years for vendors to really recognize the power that came with partnership. And I think everyone has drank the Kool-Aid, for lack of a better term, and the industry is going to be reaping the reward for decades. It's so cool to watch. So that's, I mean, tactics around partnership, integration, actually listening to the industry and in trying to anticipate needs instead of being reactive, seeing that across the vendor landscape right now is, is my favorite thing. That is really cool. And, and I'm seeing it a lot from working with vendors, right? Working with other partners and we're really connecting in a, in a true way. And it's been, it's been awesome. Uh, lastly, who deserves innovation in the restaurant industry? Yeah, I, I, I know you love them too, but I really love what I'm seeing go on at CBS with their North Star product. Um, so yes. I, they're constantly pivoting to customer demand. They're listening to the organizations that are using their products and they're building and adapting um, to everything that the industry needs. It's so robust. And they are so easy to work with from an integration perspective. The problem, I mean, the solutions that my team gets to work with them on um, is really exciting. I have a team of problem solvers. So they love getting to actually work with a partner or a vendor who goes, yeah, awesome. We could do this. And then we could do this. And then we could help the other customers who are not even anticipating this problem yet. Um, so I think that, I think they're doing amazing things for the industry as a whole. Yeah, we we love them. They're they've been awesome partners. They're awesome, just awesome humans. And I think that's the that's really cool is when you're able to not just work with people that uh, are like have a good product, but good good people. That's what's that's what's really exciting as well. Yeah, well, for sure. Awesome. Well, how do people find and follow you and TimeForge? Yeah, so I'm on. I am uh, at LinkedIn. Uh, Digital Audrey um, is my uh, URL on LinkedIn. And then uh, TimeForge is at TimeForge Labor on all of the major platforms. And that's well, T-I-M-E-F-O-R-G-E. Awesome. Well, for giving us reliability into visibility to get accountability, today's ovation goes to you, Audrey. Thank you so much for joining us on Give an Ovation. Thank you for having me. Glad you're with us today and thank you. Thank you to the risk takers, the troublemakers, the crazies who are keeping this world clothed and fed. 
you're the ones who deserve an ovation. Again, this podcast was sponsored by Ovation. To see how we can help you grow your business, go to OvationUp.com. Don't forget to subscribe. And as always, remember to give someone in your life an ovation today.